Well, so good to be back with you again this morning. For those of you who are visiting with us, uh, I'm the associate pastor here, as you probably already figured that out. Um, Daryl, our senior pastor, he gives me the opportunity on the first Sunday of every month to speak. So that, can you believe it's already September 1st? And uh, so it's just, the, the year is just really scooting on by, but I always get excited about my turn, so to speak, to get up and speak. And uh, so I just, some of you that are visiting might just wonder, but, but that's just kind of a, a thing that we do. He gives me the first Sunday to speak, and, uh, and then he, he preaches the rest of the month, and then it'll be my turn again in October. But I uh, just enjoy doing this, and I'm so thankful to him uh, once again for giving me this opportunity. It's hard to believe it's already, this is the ninth time this year. So uh, our, our home folk are kind of used to the schedule, but uh, just so our visitors understand how that works, that's just kind of what we're doing right now. But uh, I, I tell you one other thing, too, is time is marching on and fall is approaching. Praise the Lord. I am looking forward to some cooler weather. Hopefully that's going to be in sight. But I tell you, just on another note, we need to keep our eye on this hurricane that's coming through. And uh, keep our prayers uh, in mind for the, for the Bohemian people that are down there. And um, I think I said that right. People live in the Bahamas. Bahamian, is that right? Yeah. I get it right? Yes, sir. Awesome. Bahamian. <laughs> there you go. We know who we're talking about, but let's seriously keep them in prayer. It doesn't look like it's going to take a path at this point to kind of maybe miss the mainland. But uh, let's just continue to pray for that, that that'll happen. But, but uh, last time we were together, we, we started a, a short sermon series uh, called Journey Through Faith. And um, for those of you, again, that are visiting, we, we did a series with me earlier in the year, uh, and it was dealt, it dealt with prayer, and it was called This Means War. And uh, we, we go to war with the devil every day about praying and, and about different things, and so praying is our first line of defense. This is on that same line, it's about having faith and a journey through that. So last, last month, we pretty much covered just a short introduction to this, so you really haven't missed an awful lot, and I'm going to recap it for you if this is your first sermon with this series. But we settled in uh, in Hebrews chapter 11. We'll be back there for a short time today. But over today's message, and maybe another one we'll see, we'll continue to look at the word faith. And listen, what we're trying to determine is, are we just throwing this word around? Or is this a word that we are actually seeing and experiencing where the true faith lies? So just to recap a little from last month, we discovered that faith in itself is not just a sometime thing. We discovered that faith just isn't just a one or a two-time event in our lives. We discovered that, that faith is just not some sort of concept that we visit whenever we need a little faith or we feel like that it's convenient. It's not a convenience. No, these, these things really aren't faith at all. We discover that it is faith. That, now listen, true faith in Jesus Christ is an all-the-time thing. It's not just once in a while. It's not just a book we pull off the shelf and read it and say, okay, I got faith today. Might be going tomorrow, but I got it today. No, it doesn't work like that. Faith is a lifestyle. It is an all-the-time thing. It isn't something you can have just a little of. You either have faith or you don't. We can't, listen... We can't be saved if we don't have faith in Jesus Christ. We can't please God. We can't please Him at all if we don't have faith. We also learned last month that as human beings, we exercise some kind of faith 
every day in our lives. We learn that the source of our faith is what makes the difference in our lives. You see, faith should be the common denominator in our life. We can't live a single solitary day without some sort of faith. We discovered that the source of our faith, faith must be in Jesus Christ and in Him alone as we make our walk through our daily lives. We also discovered that, that through this 11th chapter of Hebrews that many imperfect people, much just like us, imperfect people, developed a strong faith in God, but yet they still had to endure trial after trial, tribulation after tribulation that tested their faith. So this morning, we're going to talk for just a few moments about a man named Moses. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the day. Thank you for this opportunity we have to break your word, just to open it, uh, to be able to, to study this man named Moses, to talk a little bit about him and uh, the, the trials that he endured through his faith. So, Father, just bless us through this. We just pray again, Lord, that through this story you will make it fresh and new, that we will see this story in a new light that we've never seen before, that you will just speak to us in a way, Father, that is unmistakably you speaking. So bless us today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you haven't already, turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 23 to 29 to begin with this morning. We'll be skipping around a little bit. But if you got it, say, I got it. All right, let's read this together. It's, again, it's Hebrews 11, verses 23 to 29. Now, I like how every verse, in, in, when it's talking about these heroes of the faith, it starts one way. What are those first two words? Let me hear you say it. About every verse starts that way. By faith. Listen. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. Say it. By faith. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to, to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the, the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Let me hear it. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Everybody say invisible. invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And then finally, let me hear you. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempted to do so were drowned. It's important to realize here, and this is an important fact, Moses occupies more attention through this chapter than any other person in this hall of faith. His name is mentioned ten times in the book of Hebrews alone. And we know that Moses was an Old Testament character. But he was mentioned ten times in the New Testament in what chapter 11 of Hebrews calls the hall of faith. His life is characterized by faith and faithfulness all the way from his birth all the way to his death. So let me ask, who was this Moses? We're going to look at that this morning. We are going to, to just kind of do, Daryl and I talked about this earlier this week, we're going to kind of do a narrative about who uh, Moses was and about his life this morning. So listen as we go through. This man chose to deliver the people out of Egypt out of cruel bondage. He would eventually become God's man. Now listen, he, he was not really much different from you and from me. 
He was a man that, that faced many difficulties in life. He was a man that, that faced unfair treatment in life. He was a man that had to endure intense spiritual storms in his life. He was certainly not even close to being a perfect man. Like any of us, he had his flaws. Like all of us, he made some, some terrible mistakes along the way. Sound familiar? Yes, it does. Moses had been brought up through his childhood as an Egyptian prince. He was educated in the ways of Egyptian royalty. During those years of his life, he, he had a lavish and a comfortable lifestyle. But there was just something deep inside of Moses that, that never allowed him to give up on who he truly was, a Hebrew. So at about 40 years old, Moses decided to leave the comfortable confines of the palace and he went out to see the labor of the people that were in the fields working. It, it, it didn't take him long to realize that his own people were just being severely abused. They were just catching it from, from the Egyptians. I mean, they were whipping on them. They were beating them. They were just mistreating them from A to Z. Everything that they could do, they just couldn't do anything right. They were being severely abused and they had become nothing more than slaves to the Egyptians. Well, Moses, he became outraged when he saw an Egyptian just senselessly beating one of the Jews. Well, what did he do? He was outraged. He struck him and he killed him. Then guess what he did? He buried him in the sand. Things were chaotic to say the least. You see, Moses' anger just led into a rash and a deadly action. He had killed another person. He had epically failed. Everybody say epically failed. Epically failed in God's eyes. How many times in life do we epically fail? There are so many times in our lives that we have an opportunity, listen, we have an opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ, but epically fail Him because we're too busy to stop and do what it is that He's called us to do. There are times in our lives when circumstances cause us to be angry and we epically fail God by jeopardizing our Christian witness. We've all been there in some way, shape, or form. We're none perfect. So Moses headed for this place called Midian. The man Moses wandered in the desert for many years trying to find his way. Then this man Moses had a unique experience by speaking to God Almighty through a burning bush when God told him that it was him that must deliver the children out of Egypt. The book of Exodus tells us the amazing story Moses, of Moses and the trials that he went through with Pharaoh. I'm sure that most of you remember this story, but... They just had confrontation after confrontation. Moses pleaded with him time and time again to, to just release these Hebrew children and Pharaoh refused time and time again. God sent plague after plague. Remember the plagues? God sent all of these plagues and after every one, Pharaoh would not let them leave. It was only after God took his son that he allowed them to leave. He became a broken man. It was only then that he gave in. So through these trials, to have his people delivered, Moses kept his faith knowing that God was in total control. So Moses led his people out of the bondage. He followed God by way of a cloud that God provided and the way was led was not the most logical way. There was a closer and an easier way, but God didn't lead Moses that way. 
He led him the other way. He led him through the land of the Philistines. He led Moses by the way of the wilderness and through the Red Sea. In the book of Exodus chapter 14 from verses 10 through the end of the chapter, we find one of the most important stories of the Bible, the crossing of the Red Sea. So let's just flip over there. It's uh, back in the Old Testament, Genesis. Exodus is actually the, the second book of the Bible. So turn over there with me, and we're going to go to chapter 14 in the book of Exodus. Exodus 14, we're going to begin at verse 10. Got it. Got it. Say it. Got it. You see, God is going to get his people out of bondage through this well-known miracle that we're fixing to see here. And at the same time, God is going to pass judgment on the Egyptians by swallowing them up in the sea. So let's take a look at some of these verses together and see the truth about the Lord's salvation that we see here. Let's look at verse 10 together. And when Pharaoh drew near... The children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. You see, God's people here physically saw the Egyptians kind of in the rearview mirror. They knew they were coming. They could see them. They knew that, that they were just on them and, and trying to intercept them. And they were probably thinking to themselves, oh no, here we go again. I thought he said he was going to let us go. They didn't know earlier in verse 8, though, that God had hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Read that when you get a chance. He had hardened his heart. Pharaoh gathered all of his horses. He gathered all of his chariots. And he took all of his resources with him to pursue the children of Israel. Now these Egyptian soldiers weren't just any soldiers. They were state-of-the-art for their day. These guys were heavily trained. They were very well equipped with the best weaponry of the day. Tony Marita said this. He said, they had WMDs. <laughs> weapons of mass destruction for their time of day. So, so to speak, that's what it would have been. But you see, the Israelites were, were having trouble keeping their focus. Why? Because they were on them. They were coming up behind them, and they just knew that they were going to get intercepted before they were going to be delivered once again. They just knew that that captivity was coming. They were focusing on what they could see instead of focusing on God who brought them to where they were. They didn't need to fear Pharaoh. They didn't need to fear his army. They only needed to fear God and put their faith in him and trust his plan. Let's look at verses 11 and 12. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that, that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would be better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness? Now what are they doing? I call it complaining. Yeah, they just complain. No faith. That's exactly right. Doesn't that feel familiar though? Isn't that what we do sometimes? We just, we know what God wants us to do. We know where we're supposed to go and we don't complain about it. That happens. That's just who we are. We as Christians sometimes find ourselves in this very position. When things don't go exactly as we think they should, our first reaction is to complain and then we try to fix it on our own. We often don't try and, and find the message that God is sending. 
We often don't trust that, that he has another plan, a better plan, the plan. We don't trust that he has that for us sometimes. We only look at this, this small circumstance that we can see, but don't have faith that there is a bigger picture or a bigger plan for all of us. Sometimes we just don't see the forest for the trees. Let's look at verses 13 and 14. This is Moses' response. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Say this with me. Stand still. Uh, Y'all do better now. Here we go. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. I can only imagine really what the Israelites were thinking here. Some of those guys may have said, now what kind of strategy is that? What do you mean, stand still? They're right behind us. How are we going to stand still and just wait for them to just pummel us? How are we going to do that? Moses, you're telling us to stand here and be quiet? You're telling us that the Lord will do our fighting? Yes, of course that was the correct strategy. This not the only time in the Bible that we see the same strategy. This is another sermon, but it applies also in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 15 and 17, with the story of Jehoshaphat. We'll get to that another time. But you can see the recur recurring theme. Folks, we need to realize this. We should not be afraid. The battle is not ours. The battle belongs to the Lord. We should stand still, shut up, and let God handle it. Period. Let's look at verses 15 to 18. God's fixing to tell Moses what to do. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to just go forward. But lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. They shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all of his army, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. You see, it was here that, that God gave Moses instructions to divide the Red Sea. Now, imagine really what Moses' human reaction would have been to this. Sometimes we really just miss the shocking nature of, of this story. You see, Pharaoh's army is coming. Everybody's complaining. God tell Mo, tells Moses to, to hold out his stick and hold up his hand and, and watch him part the waters. Once again here, the theme of God's glory is repeated. After God had, had given Moses these instructions, an angel of the Lord created a cloud that, that shielded the Egyptians from the Israelites. But Moses followed the Lord's instructions. He lifted his stick. He stretched out his hand. A strong east wind began to just push the water back. Through the night, the waters had become two walls on either side of a bone-dry path. This would have been a sight to see. Verse 22 says this. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Verse 23 says this, And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all of Pharaoh's horses 
his chariots, and his horsemen. And it's important there to see all. All of them. Everything they had was on this dry path in between these two walls of water. And I can hear, if they can do it, we can do it. If they can get across, we can get across. I'm greedy. I want them charged. That's what he was saying. Let's go get them. But it tells us that the Israelites went across the sea on the ocean floor. The Egyptians pursued them. And as they were pursuing them, the Lord looked down and, and he threw the Egyptians into a panic. He started messing up their chariots. Their wheels wouldn't turn. They couldn't steer. I mean, it, it, really, it just got really chaotic for those guys. They should have turned back. But they didn't. Their hate, their greed, it kept them pursuing God's people. We all know how this ends, don't we? The Israelites all crossed safely to the other side. Moses again raised his staff and the waters just plummeted back to their places and the Egyptians and everything with them was all lost. At daybreak, the Israelites, they could just see God's victory. The Egyptians had been swallowed up by the sea. Israel had walked on dry land in their safety. And the, the reality of judgment and salvation are clear here in verses 30 and 31. Let's look at that. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord, and he believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Bodies were washing up on the shore. Chariot parts were floating in the water. This is a dreadful, but a very clear, crystal clear picture of unrepentant sinners. It's exactly what it is. The waters of judgment came crashing down on those who didn't believe that day. I guess we could say Pharaoh ended up reaping what he sowed. On the other side, there's a, a clear and happy picture of believers who had been saved from the waters of judgment. They were delivered to the other side by grace through, say it, faith. You see, in the Red Sea, the same body of water is a place of both judgment and salvation. For one group of people, it was death and eternal judgment. For the other group of people, it was salvation and it was happiness. By Moses having the utmost faith in his God, he trusted that God would deliver him and his people that God did. Folks, this morning we must understand completely that true faith is the ability to trust what we cannot see. And with faith we are freed from the things of life that trap us. We all have to live in bondage. We all have to live in fear. We all have to live with an angry heart. We can live in peace. We can live in harmony with each other. We can live our lives knowing that Jesus Christ is Lord and, and He will take us to live with Him eternally with Him if we will only put our faith in Him. He's the solid rock. He's the solid foundation. He is our forever mediator and He is where our total faith should be placed in Him and Him alone. There is no other source of faith. I think my favorite part of this story is not only where the miracle of the sea parting occurred, but it comes from verse 13. Moses tells us here, and we repeated this just a minute ago, this is important. He tells his people here to stand still and trust God. He's telling them to, 
put their faith in the one who can provide for them. He's telling them that they can have peace through God if they will only put their faith in him. We as Christians sometimes have problems with that. We have problems standing still and trusting God to take care of us. And I didn't talk with Lisa about this ahead of time, but I, I want to share something with you. Y'all, I'm pretty transparent. Y'all know me better than probably anybody else in the world. I watch these, watch you get. We've had times earlier in our ministry that, that we struggled with standing still. We've always known that God is faithful. Always knew that. But early on, things, things just weren't good on the financial side. You can imagine. New to the ministry. Just things. When I surrendered to full-time ministry, I left a job that kept us, it kept us relatively comfortable financially, and we really took a leap of faith to do what I knew God wanted us to do. We told ourselves, it'll be okay, God's going to meet our need. Time went by. Financially, things began to get tighter and tighter. We were cutting everything we possibly could to make ends meet. We were supporting four children. For some reason, Lisa wouldn't let me cut them out. <laughs> I needed somebody to cut the grass, so, you know. <laughs> but things were hard. And uh, we knew that we were where God wanted us, but it was difficult to trust at times. You, you're with me there. I think you understand. But the food would be running low. We needed gas in the car. Kids needed clothes, school supplies. Things just seemed to come in clusters. You know what I mean? So it seemed like everything would just hit all at one time. God always provided. There were multiple times that, and Lisa, I see her tearing up, but she knows what I'm fixing to say. There were multiple times we came home to a storage tub, one of these gray tubs. It was full of groceries. Had no clue where it came from. God provided. I don't know who God used, but he provided there were times I'd walk in my office, there'd be an envelope on my desk and it would have some cash in it. Came from God. Don't have any idea who he used. He used somebody to do that. Even though times were hard, it was, it was just continually evident that God was going to take care of us. We just needed to trust him. Now I'll let you peek into this time in my life to tell you that I know how hard it is to trust when the chips are down. I get it. But I also know this, through faith, God can and God will provide for all of us. Yes. We don't need to complain and, and wish for other things. We just need to stand still and trust him to provide our needs just as Moses told the Israelites. Perhaps you're here today. This morning, your, your faith is something that you just struggle with. Maybe you're trying to figure this thing called life out on your own, and you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ and surrendered your life to Him fully. Perhaps you don't even know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You, you know who He is, you've heard about Him, but you've never become saved through faith by accepting Him in your heart. You've never asked Him to take you out of your own personal bondage of sin. Perhaps this morning, you have a personal sin that, that nobody else knows about. 
The sin has you bound up and it, it just won't seem to leave you alone. It's got you by the throat and it just won't leave you alone. Well, let me tell you, you don't have to carry that burden. That burden has already been paid for. That sin, that's your personal sin, has already been paid for. Jesus died on the cross, miraculously rose from the grave to forgive us for all of our sin once and for all. We just need to put our faith and our trust in Him. The true source of faith. You can escape this bondage that you're living in. Folks, this morning I just want to give you an invitation to let you know that our altar is open. You can come here and pray. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior today, I would encourage you to come and let us help you with that. We can show you this morning and pray with you and show you how to become a Christian and how and what it means to follow Jesus and have faith in Him.